I'm glad you're joining us again for wherever you are, where you, wherever you're viewing, just welcome back. It's summertime in Texas, so things are starting to get heated up, but it's still all good. And we're going to hear some hot gospel today because God wants to speak to you very personally and very directly. Now, one of the great deceptions of Satan is to convince you that God is not fair, that he's not fair. Now, he uses this tool to convince us that God cannot be trusted, and he plays favorites. In fact, there's a whole theology built around in America today called the prosperity gospel that God builds, plays favorites to people who do certain things, like give money to my ministry. Okay, that's just a whole other topic. We won't go there. Satan's really good at this because he's really He's persistent, and he's really a specialist in deception. In fact, Jesus calls him the father of lies. And he uses the demon of entitlement as his reinforcing agent in deception. Now, the story of Jesus is a great uh, exposition of this lie. It exposes this lie. Jesus exposes our entitlement and Satan's lie with this marvelous grace and truth. So this passage in Ezekiel is very interesting. It was a misquoted Jewish proverb that, the, that God told the prophet, you need to tell people quit using this, because this is what they said. The fathers eat sour grapes and their children's teeth are set on edge. Now I say that. My mama used to say that all the time. And this is what the prophet said. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord. You will no longer use this proverb. Stop it, because God is not unfaithful. God is just. Yeah, your, your fathers eat sour grapes. They're going to have to live with it. It doesn't affect their children. Stop it. Stop it. Now, this passage, really what it's doing is casting doubt on God's justice. Casting doubt on God's justice. The Lord God is just. He is the author of justice. He is fair, but we are entitled and God has told the prophet, the people, to stop saying this because he exposes their entitlement. Now, when people doubt the justice and the fairness of God, it's based on their own perverted sense of justice and what's fair. God himself sets the standard of justice. He does that. Who we compare our sense of justice with that of God's? Boy, this is a tough talk. Because I say, well, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. Really? Do you really? Do you sit in the place of being all-knowing, all-good, all-wise, all-kind, all-just? You don't. But dead gummit, I'm entitled to my opinion. Really? Really? Even when your opinion doesn't line up with God's sovereignty? So these are things we have to deal with. When people doubt God's justice, they're exposed to the lie and the deception of Satan. Now Jesus uses this parable, this story, to expose the perverted view of man regarding what is right. He exposes our sense of entitlement, and he starts his story with the phrase that many scholars, in fact, all scholars says, this is a Jesus original. He's the first one to ever say this. Many, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. That's Matthew 19.30. And he says it a couple of times in this parable. To those who are listening, it was upside-down thinking. They said, no, the first will be first and the last will be last. We're in this order because of what's just and what's fair and what's right. They were entitled. In fact, the ones who are listening believe they were entitled more than anyone else because they were the keepers of the religious law. They were the, the ones who did the right thing, the right way, for the right reasons, with the right kind of love. We're the self-righteous and the self-just, and we know what's right and what's wrong. Really? 
And we have to deal with all that junk in our hearts and our lives. Now, this wasn't uncommon just with the Pharisees. This happened to the disciples as well. The disciples said, hey, God, uh, you know, who's going to sit on the right and the left? John and James asked that. James and John, the cousins of Jesus, whose mother was Mary's sister. In fact, Mary's sister got involved with, hey, are my boys going to like be left and right? Entitlement. Even when Jesus had died and rose again, the disciples were still dealing with this, oh, yeah, we get to run the kingdom of God. We get to be, you know, we're the entitled ones. Listen to what they said in Acts 1.6. So when they come together, they ask him, the Lord, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? Is this the time we get to rule? Is it? 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 Really? Yeah. Entitlement is a difficult demon to, to defeat because it's very slippery to identify. When I start looking at my own heart and my own life, I start seeing the evidence of my lofty, self-inflated view of what's right and what's wrong, justice, and what I deserve and what I get, it really comes to fore forefront. When I really need to say, I've left everything to follow Jesus. I've given up my rights and my privileges. I've given up my position. I've given up my possession. I've given up my location. I I'm giving up everything. All of this brings us to the story of Jesus. He was addressing the false sense of entitlement and justice that we need to hear today. So let me pray for us. Father, I, this is a tough one, Lord, and I need you to help me to say what's right to these people that are listening so that they, they will be engaged with you and their lives will be changed by you. So please speak. Thank you that you're faithful. You're just. You're true. There's no one like you. So, Father, just do in, you, do in us what only you can do. We pray this in your name. Your name. Amen. Now listen to the story. Here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one Daenerys, he sent them to the vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he, in other words, he came early, like six, and he went out again at nine, and um, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, also, go to my vineyard. I'll give you whatever's right. So off they went. Whatever's right was a denarii for the day which is equal to one day's wage for a Roman soldier. It's a very generous wage, and I'll, I'll pay you. He raised the, the minimum wage. Okay, don't get political. All right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, now they worked from six in the morning to six at night. About five, he goes out again, and he, and he went and he found others standing around and said to them, now these were probably the people that were weak, crippled, lame, unable, because they didn't hire anybody, so they probably weren't qualified to work, and they were standing around at five, but they still needed, because they were clutchingly poor, they needed someone to come rescue them. So he went about at five, and he found others standing around. He said to them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they said to him. You also go to my vineyard, he told him. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. Very unusual. Because they always would start with the first hired and then the last hired, and the wages would be adjusted according to the hours they worked. When those who were hired, about five came, each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed that they would get more because they'd received, received it, but they also received denarius each. And when they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These last men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us and bore the burden of all day's work and the burning heat? And he replied to one, of, to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree to work on 
on a Daenerys? Take what's yours and go. I want to give I want to give this last man the same as I gave you? Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, here's some big takeaways from this parable. This is a common event that all the listeners knew about. Wealthy landowner goes to the marketplace to hire the clutchingly poor and to hire them to work. And these guys were dependent upon the wage to, to buy food because they would work from 6 to 6. At 6, they would buy food and feed their family. And they were dependent upon getting paid that day. And this is the Jewish custom. Work a day, get paid at the end of the day. That's the way they did it. Now, Jesus framed this story by talking about the kingdom of heaven. And what he was saying is God, not only in the eschaton, that's the time to come, but right now in the current, that God does things God's way, not man's way. God is the one over justice, over what is fair. The listening crowd was very interested in the kingdom of heaven because they were looking forward to the Messiah, looking forward to getting rid of the Romans, and they were thinking it was going to be this. But it wasn't really a concept of the afterlife, but a restoring of their life. They believed that the Messiah would come in and usher in a thousand-year millennial reign and that everything would be good and Israel would be back center place like it was in the days of Solomon. These day laborers, typically poor, were dependent on the generosity of a landowner. Uh, they were hired all times a day, just like the story said. The staggering of the higher times was not unusual as well. The amount being paid and the amount was given, as a Roman soldier, was very generous, but that was very unusual that everybody got the same. Paying the last one first was not normal. I've already said that, that you usually paid the first one, but Jesus, what he was doing was flipping their sense of justice. And he said everybody got the same wage. They lost their minds. This further exposed their entitlement. Now, get this. Jesus explained the landowner's reasoning and further exposed his sense of unfair behavior and unfair entitlement. Justice of man is always skewed because we do not sit at a place where we can see from horizon to horizon. Jesus is brilliant. He's challenging our thinking. He's revealed heaven's justice based on God's grace, not on our actions. What I may perceive as unjust now, God has made just because he's working in ways that I cannot see. Oh, well, let's take a deeper look. I'm as guilty as those that listen that day. I think I'm owed something by God, and he owes me nothing. I deserve death, and he offers me acceptance to his kingdom and life and life forever by his divine invitation. John 6, No one could come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus invites me into a relationship by his grace. He doesn't look at me and go, man, that's a, that's a first-round pick. No, he looks at me with his grace. I'm like one who was hired at the last moment, broken and poor, waiting on someone to accept me, and Jesus did. He came along, and he took me in. He owes me nothing, and I owe him everything, but in his acceptance, he gives me more than I can imagine. Huh. The most faithful saint and the, the hell-bound sinner 
are saved on their deathbed because they receive the same level of justice and grace. The justice of God is not the justice of man. This story is about salvation and how it is to receive by God's grace. John MacArthur said this. I'm going to read it for you. Believing tax collector, prostitutes, criminals, and social outcasts will have the same eternal residence as Paul, Augustine, Luther, and Wesley. There are no servant quarters or lower class neighborhoods in heaven. Everyone will have a room at the Father's house, specially prepared for them by Jesus himself. Every believer is a part of the church, which is the bride of Christ. Every believer is a child of God and a fellow heir with Christ. And every believer is blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. For you are saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's God's gift. It's not of works so that no one can boast. From a human perspective, this doesn't seem fair. But from a God's perspective, it's just. We cannot take credit for doing this. Back a long, long time ago, 1992, I was pastoring a church in Victoria, Texas, a small church, so just church plant. It was busy. I got a call one afternoon. Uh, Pastor Scott, we, uh, we need you to go to the hospital over in Edna. There's a guy dying there. And he had no church affiliation, and, and this guy knew of him because he was his insurance agent. He said he's dying, and... Can you go talk to him? He's not, he's not a Christian. Well, come to find out, this guy was the, um, was the notorious sinner of the city, that little city uh, next to us. Everybody knew that he was lost. In fact, every time the Baptist church would have a revival, the revival preacher would go by and try to win this guy to the Lord, and he would refuse to accept Christ. He would reject God, reject God's messenger, and here he was on his deathbed. So they sent a 33-year-old church planter over to talk to him at his last dying moment. I walk in. He's laying there facing the wall, and I talk to him. And I talk to him about Jesus. And I ask him if he was ready to meet Jesus, and he said no. He rolled over and he looked at me and he said, Preacher, help me. And I helped him pray and receive Jesus into his life. He rolled back over the face of the wall. I left and by the time I got home, he had died. He did not deserve heaven. But he got it. I did his funeral. His whole extended family got saved. And baptized and started following the Lord. One of his sons even became a deacon in our church. What? The man who did not deserve grace at the last moment received grace. My precious mother loved Jesus and accepted him when she was six. This old dude who lived a life of degenerate got the same reward as my precious mama who lived for Jesus her whole life. That is the justice of God, not the righteousness of man. This story, this parable, is about how we're saved. So here's some key truths. God is the author of salvation. We are not. God establishes the term of salvation. We don't. God calls people to himself and he saves those who respond by his grace. God is willing for everyone to respond, even though he knows all who want, who will and who won't. God is compassionate. God enables us then 
to respond to him and to serve him because he divines and finally enables us with his Holy Spirit. God keeps his promises. God is just. I can trust him. Humans are entitled, and we have to come to God in submission to his sovereignty and his justice. God's grace is greater than all our sins. So the last will be first, and the first shall be last. I've got to deal with my entitlement. How do I do that? Come to Jesus and live. Come to Jesus and live. Father, thank you that you are so complete and so good and so loving and so gracious and so just, even when we fight against you, even when the demon of entitlement ensnares us to false thinking, you break through with who you are. And I pray, Father, you can break our hearts now that we'll submit to you in reverence and awe and love and grace and truth and live accordingly. Break the grip of selfishness. Break the grip of entitlement. And let us live all for you. Father, some of this, this audience today, watching today, need to respond to you in faith. Like this old guy who at the last minute prayed, or like my mama who at the first of her life prayed, may we step into your salvation with that same offer of grace to receive it fully from you, praying, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm going to live for you. And Father, those of us who belong to you, let's remember that we're entitled to nothing, but you give us everything according to your riches and glory. And let us live for you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So what are you going to do? What's your next step? Step into membership. Step with and grow. Step up and serve. Step out and share. Become a part of this family. Be a, be a group leader. I say it every week. Be baptized. What is your next step? Take it. Lose the entitlement and live in freedom. All for Jesus.